We appreciate you joining us today for a study of God's Word. It's my prayer that what I have to say will be helpful to you in some way as you go on your Christian walk. A couple of few weeks ago, I gave a sermon regarding the first part of Romans chapter 6, and if you have not heard that, I would encourage you to listen to that on our podcast as it relates very closely to what we're going to talk about today. Um, You can go back and listen to that later. We're going to read a question that Paul poses in Romans chapter 6 in verse number 15. He says, shall we sin because we are not under law, but under grace? As we consider the nature of grace and obedience in our lives, this is an important question for us to answer, but to answer this question, we need to understand the context of what Paul is talking about here. As with answering the question in Romans chapter 6, verse 1, we have a very similar question here. In chapter 1, or excuse me, verse 1, Paul says, Shall we continue in sin that grace may abound? Here is asking, Shall we sin because we're not under law, but under grace? So let's understand what Paul is talking about and get a little bit of context for this discussion before we try to answer these questions or get the answer that Paul is wanting us to get. Leading up to chapter 6, Paul has showed us a few things in the book of Romans just to sort of go over some high points. He showed us that all people, regardless of our race, our heritage, our social status, are under sin. It doesn't matter if you're a Jew. It doesn't matter if you're a Gentile. It doesn't matter if you've had the law, if you didn't have the law. At the end of the day, we're all under the curse of sin. We can't make ourselves righteous in and of ourselves in the sight of God. There's nothing I can do to earn my salvation. And without anything else in my life like that, then I have the curse of sin and therefore I'm lost. Now, Romans chapter 3, verse 21 through 24 talks about the righteousness of God being revealed in the form of Jesus Christ and that we can be made righteous in the sight of God through our faith in Jesus Christ and our obedience to the gospel. And so we have that hope, we have that assurance in knowing that we are made righteous not because of what I can do in and of myself, but because of my faith in Jesus Christ and my joining him in his death, burial, and resurrection in baptism. Now, verse number, Romans chapter 5, verse 20 says, Where sin abounded, grace abounded much more. So the law was given not to cause sin to happen, but just to show us how sinful we actually were And where sin abounded, grace abounded much more. And the idea is that no matter how big our sin, Jesus Christ died for every single person and his grace and his mercy are there for us to enjoy through our obedience to the gospel. Now, so he says in verse number six, or excuse me, chapter six and verse one, what shall we say then? Shall we continue in sin that grace may abound? So he asked the question, If I can't do anything about my own sin, no matter what I do, I can't be made righteous in the sight of God, and it's only through Jesus Christ and the gift of his grace that I'm allowed to be saved, then why not just keep going on committing sin and letting grace abound over all my sin? And Paul's answer to that is, God forbid. Certainly not. And he says, do you not know that as many of us as were baptized into Jesus Christ were baptized into his death? He talks about us being united with Christ in his death and united with Christ in his resurrection. About how when we become a Christian, that old man has been crucified. 
The body of sin has been destroyed, and no, we no longer serve sin. That's going to come up here in just a minute. Now, he says in verse number 12, Therefore, do not let sin reign in your mortal body, that you should obey it in its lusts. And do not present your members as instruments of unrighteousness to sin. But he says, but present yourselves to God as being alive from the dead and your members as instruments of righteousness to God. So we're united in Christ's death. The body of sin is destroyed. We're united in his resurrection. We're raised to walk in newness of life. We are living now toward God, having become dead to sin. And so now we're presenting ourselves and our instruments, our, ourselves, who we are, our bodies, as servants of righteousness, members as instruments of righteousness towards God. In Romans chapter 6, verse 14, he concludes, he says, For sin shall not have dominion over you, for you are not under law, but under grace. Sin shall not have dominion over you. In that previous passage, he talks about not letting sin reign over us, reign like a king, be something we're subject to, We're not talking about committing an occasional sin, but rather living a life that is in obedience to sin. That's what we're all about. That's what we do. And he says, sin shall not have dominion, dominance over you. Why? Because you're not under law, but under grace. So here's the answer to the question. Shall we continue in sin that grace may abound? No, Paul says the the very reason you shouldn't continue in sin is because you are under grace and not under law. It is because of grace, when you truly understand what grace is and what it means. What does grace mean? How does that relate to us? When we understand that Jesus did something for us that we could not ever do for ourselves, when he paid a price that we couldn't pay, because yes, it is a free gift for us, but it is not free for him. It cost us nothing. It cost him everything. And when we understand that, And when we put that into our lives, and that's transformative. That makes changes in people's lives. And so the life we now live is no longer to ourselves or to sin, but it is to God. And our obedience is not cause our salvation. It is the result of our salvation. You're not under law, but under grace. So this leads, Paul, to our original question this morning. Logically, this theoretical conversation to its next step, and that is, what then? Shall we sin because we're not under law but under grace? So if that's the case, if nothing I can do saves me, then what is the purpose of following the law of God, following the commandments of God? What purpose does that have? Why should I, as a Christian, pray? Why should I read my Bible? Why should I go to church? Why should I do good things for people and help people who need it? Why should I avoid sinful behavior and things that give me pleasure? Why should I do those things when they don't contribute to my salvation in the sense that I'm earning it? If it's only because of the grace of God that I have salvation, why do I continue to try not to sin? So the answer to this question, the short answer, is the same as it was in the first one. Shall we continue in sin that grace may abound? Certainly not. Shall we sin because we are under law and under grace? Certainly not. And implicit in this very short reply of certainly not, or as the King James says, God forbid, implicit in that is 
the ridiculousness of even asking this kind of question. And what Paul is saying, if you truly believe this, then you have no idea what it means to be a Christian. You don't understand what it means to be a Christian. You don't understand what grace is all about. And just as before, he goes on to talk about detail about why this is such a ridiculous notion. And he asks this question. Do you not know that to whom you present yourselves as slaves to obey, you are that one slaves whom you obey? And what Paul is saying here is this very simply. All people are slaves to something. There are no exceptions. No exceptions. The specifics vary from person to person as to what we make ourselves a slave to. But at the end of this discussion, we are a slave to something. And Paul says, you're going to, he says, whether it be of sin leading to death or of obedience leading to righteousness, that's what it comes down to. You're either ultimately, regardless of the specifics, you will either be a slave of sin leading to death or of obedience leading to righteousness. One of those two things, a slave to sin or a slave to obedience leading to righteousness. You can't be neither, and you can't be both. It's one or the other. Consider the comparisons we see in this passage that we're reading through. Verse 16, you can be a slave to sin or a slave to obedience. Verse 17, a slave to sin or a slave to righteousness. Verse number 20, a slave to sin or a slave to God. That's it. You will either be a slave to sin in your life or you will be a slave to righteousness, obedience to God, which all that comes down to the same thing. We may not view it that way, You may not view it that way, but that's the way it is. We give ourselves to something or someone. We devote ourselves to something or someone. In other words, we offer ourselves, we give ourselves to whatever we seek as the thing that we think will give us the best life that we can, the thing that we most need. That's what we seek after, ultimately. That's what we do in life. And that can be whatever we want it to be or we think it needs to be. It can be money. It can be power. It can be fame. It can be sitting on the couch and watching TV and eating potato chips. Entertainment, pleasure, sin, anything else. The way we live our lives ultimately comes down to the thing that we think is going to make us happy the thing that we most need in our lives. And we are a slave to that thing. We don't control ourselves. We are controlled by the thing that we think we need. And it doesn't matter who we are or what we seek after. Ultimately, we are a slave to that thing. He says in verse number 17, but God be thanked that though you were the slaves of sin, Yet you have obeyed from the heart that form of doctrine to which you were delivered. And having been set free from sin, you became slaves of righteousness. Now, as we consider this, Paul reminds the church about their initial salvation earlier in this chapter. In verse number three, when he's answering the first question of, shall we continue in sin that grace may abound? 
Paul says, no, that's not how it works. Don't you remember that as many of us as were baptized into Jesus Christ were baptized into his death? He reminds them of their initial salvation. Remember what it means to be a Christian. Remember what it means, the price that was paid. That's what he's talking about here. The price that was, don't forget about the price that was paid for your salvation. And that's what he's saying here as well. You were the slaves of sin. You were the slaves of sin, but now you're not. Now you've been set free from sin. How did that happen? God be thanked that you obeyed from the heart that form of doctrine which you were delivered. What's the form of doctrine? You were a slave of sin, but now you're not because you obeyed from the heart a form of doctrine. What was that form of doctrine? What's the doctrine? That it's the gospel, the death, burial, and the resurrection of Jesus. How do you obey that? You do it in baptism, by being buried with him in baptism and raised to walk in newness of life. Just like I talked about a few verses ago, Paul says. Don't forget. Remember what I talked about. You were a slave of sin, but instead you obeyed from the heart that form of doctrine that we just talked about a few verses ago. And so because of that, you were made free, set free from sin. You were a slave who's been set free. Can you imagine what it was like to be a slave? That's hard for almost anybody in this nation to imagine. And, and you think about that, someone who had been a slave their whole life, and all of a sudden the Civil War's over and, and those slaves are set free. And you can imagine how hard it would be for some of them to be like, what, what do I do now? How do I live? What kind of person am I supposed to be now? And Paul's using that illustration to show us that it's hard for you, us to understand. You, you were so used to being a slave to sin, but now you've been set free, and that is not who you are anymore. You've become a slave of righteousness. You have a new master and that's so hard for people to wrap their head around sometimes. Now, that leads to some interesting questions. One of those questions may be, well, what's the difference? If I'm going to be a slave to something, why should I be restricted what God tells me to do? I would rather be free to be me. I would rather go out and live my life the way I want to in the way that's going to bring me pleasure and happiness and the things that I want. And I want to do those things. And why would I choose service to God over that? Being a Christian just means that I'm restricted by God, what God tells me to do. I want to be free of that to do whatever I want to do. All this means is that there simply is no freedom from sin. If this is true, right? There's no, freedom, there's no freedom from sin because that just makes me a slave to God. So Paul addresses these concerns in the next couple of verses. Verse 19, he says, I speak in human terms because of the weakness of your flesh. So let's stop there. First of all, Paul's saying, the analogy that I'm using here, understand that it's just an analogy. Understanding that it, at some point this analogy breaks down. And I think what he's trying to say there at least in my mind, is if someone were to ask me to sum up what Christianity means in one sentence, I would not use the sentence, Christianity means I'm a slave to God or I'm a slave to obedience or righteousness. And I think that's what Paul is trying to say here. He's like, don't misunderstand me when I talk about being a slave to righteousness 
or a slave to God or a slave to obedience. And then he goes on to say, for just as you presented your members as slaves of uncleanness and of lawlessness leading to more lawlessness, so now present your members as slaves of righteousness to holiness. He's explaining here the differences are in the process and the results. And those are very important for us to understand. When we're caught up in sin, it's a regression that spirals downward and just leads to more sin and more suffering. But choosing a life of slavery to God or obedience to righteousness, that leads to more holiness. That leads to to better things, to better blessings. Verse number 20. He drills down into this concept a little bit deeper. When you were the slaves of sin, you were free in regard to righteousness. So what he's saying here is, listen, those of you who say, I want to be free of sin or be free of God to do whatever I want to do, understand that that's what happens when you're a slave of sin. You are free from God. You're free to do what you do in your life. And you're freed from righteousness. That's true. And Paul says, you people at the Church of Rome, you were like this. But then he asked them a question. What fruit did you have then in the things which you are now ashamed? In other words, what did that accomplish for you? You say that's the kind of life you want to live and the kind of person you want to be, but what good does that do in your life? What kind of life does that actually give you when you choose that kind of life? What does sin accomplish in our lives? It accomplishes misery. It accomplishes heartache. It accomplishes harm to and estrangement from the people that we love the most. And it accomplishes separation from God and eternal punishment. That's what sin leads to. For the end of those things is death. What did it accomplish? When you lived a life in slavery to sin, what did it accomplish? What fruit was there? The end of it is death, spiritual death. Now turn that on the other side of the coin. But now, having been set free from sin and having become slaves of God, you have your fruit to what? Holiness and to the end, everlasting life. Can we look at it and say, well, I'm gonna be a slave to something? And if it's not a slave to sin, it's a slave to God? Yeah, maybe you can consider it that way. But listen, the result of that is the fruit of a lifestyle that is holiness. And there's peace, and there's real lasting joy. And at the end of time, in life eternal with Jesus Christ, our Savior. That's the result of a life of slavery to God, if you want to put it that way. Can there be any doubt as to which of these ways of life we would prefer? A life of slavery to sin that is slavery indeed. Because you look at a life of sin and guess what? Does it actually give you what you think it can give you? Whether it's money or power or fame or entertainment or pleasure, it's never enough. You seek after it, you seek after it, you serve that master all your life and at the end of time, it will not have given you what you want. Only through Jesus Christ can you get that. Look at these comparisons that we see here. Verse 16, sin leads to death. 
Verse 19, lawlessness leading to more lawlessness. Verse 21, the end of those things is death. That's what it means to be a slave of sin. But turn it over on the other side. Slaves of God, what does that lead to? Obedience leading to righteousness. Righteousness for holiness, the end, everlasting life. The choices are simple. We either experience true slavery to sin, resulting in nothing but heartache and separation and death, or we experience freedom from sin and find joy in serving God, which leads to holiness, peace, and everlasting life. As you think about that and what that means for your life, think about what Paul says here in verse number 23. For the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus, our Lord. Notice that when we choose slavery to sin, when we choose to be free from God, we get exactly what we deserve. That's what wages are. Wages are what we earn. I go to a job at the credit union I work on computers and you know, fix people's problems that they have with their computers, and I do other things. And every two weeks, money magically appears into my checking account, right? No, it's not magic. It's wages that I've earned. I've earned that money. That's what I get paid. And when we choose a life of slavery, we get exactly what we've earned. We get exactly what we deserve, and that is the wages of sin is death. Spiritual death. But, he says, I love that transition. The gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. Why in the world would you want to get what you deserve? You know, we hear people say that all the time. I just, don't I deserve to be happy? Don't I deserve to live my life the way I want to? And don't I deserve to have the things that I want and that I think that I need? Don't I deserve that? The answer to that question is no, you do not deserve that. You deserve death. That's what you deserve. That's what I deserve. As I look at um, my past life and the things that I've actually done, I don't want what I deserve because I deserve death. But the gift, you see, when we choose God, We choose to be a slave to righteousness and obedience. And to God, we don't get what we deserve. We get a gift. You know, my birthday was late last, late in March, and I got a couple of gifts from some people. That's kind of nice, isn't it? Every now and then get a gift. You know, you tell people, ah, don't give me anything. But it's still nice to get a gift sometimes, isn't it? But you know what? I didn't deserve that gift. It was just my birthday. I mean, everybody's got a birthday, and I didn't do anything to deserve that. My mom did all the work. I didn't deserve a gift for that. But it was still nice, and I saw it for what it was. It was a gift, something I didn't deserve, but it was nice. When we choose to serve God in our lives, when we make him our master, the thing that we look at as the thing that we need the most, the thing that controls our lives, the thing that causes us to to seek after him and do his will and obey him, not because we're earning it, because it's what we think is best for our lives. It's at that point we receive the gift 
of eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. We don't get what we deserve. We get what Jesus paid for. We get what he deserved. And what a blessing that is. As you consider these things in your life, I hope that you will look at what obedience to the Christian actually means. And that it is not the cause of our salvation, but the result of it. And it shows that we truly have faith in Jesus Christ and what he's done for us. Whatever your spiritual situation this morning, I want you to know that there are people who are willing and able to help you. If you have a spiritual need that your elders or spiritual leaders can help you with, please contact them. To the members of this congregation in Amarillo, we encourage you to contact the elders. We're available any time of day, any, any situation. Please call us and let us know. If you have a need, if you need to obey the gospel, if you need to be prayed with and prayed for, we stand ready to help you in any way. And we urge you to do that at your convenience. And hopefully what I've said to you this morning will be a benefit to you and helpful to you in some way. God bless.